In our various readings from Blandings, we have seen very little of Lord Emsworth, and I thought we might rectify that by dropping in on him as he's having lunch at his club in London. The Earl of Emsworth stood in the doorway of the Senior Conservative Club's vast dining room and beamed with a vague sweetness upon the 200 or so senior conservatives who, with much clattering of knife and fork, were keeping body and soul together by means of the coffee room luncheon. He might have been posing for a statue of amiability. His pale blue eyes shone with a friendly light through their protecting glasses. The smile of a man at peace with all men curved his weak mouth. His bald head, reflecting the sunlight, seemed almost to wear a halo. Nobody appeared to notice him. He so seldom came to London these days that, that he was practically a stranger in the club. And in any case, your senior conservative, when at lunch, has little leisure for observing anything not immediately on the table in front of him. To attract attention in the dining room of the Senior Conservative Club between the hours of 1 and 2.30, you have to be a mutton chop, not an earl. It is possible that, lacking the initiative to make his way down the long aisle and find a table for himself, he might have stood there indefinitely, but for the restless activity of Adams, the head steward. It was Adams's mission in life to flit to and fro, hauling would-be lunches to their destinations, as a St. Bernard dog hauls travellers out of alpine snowdrifts. He sighted Lord Emsworth and secured him with a genteel pounce. A table, your lordship? This way, your lordship. Adams remembered him, of course. Adams remembered everybody. Lord Emsworth followed him beamingly, and presently came to anchor at a table at the far end of the room. Adams handed him the bill of fare, and stood brooding over him like a providence. Don't often see your lordship in the club, he opened chattily. It was his business to know the tastes and dispositions of all the five thousand or so members of the senior conservative club, and to suit his demeanour to them. To some, he would hand the bill of fare swiftly, silently, almost brusquely, as one who realises that there are moments in life too serious for talk. Others, he knew, liked conversation, and to these he introduced the subject of food almost as a sub-motif. Lord Emsworth, having examined the bill of fare with a mild curiosity, laid it down and became conversational. No, Adams. I seldom visit London nowadays. London does not attract me. The country, the fields, the woods, the birds. Something across the room seemed to attract his attention and his voice trailed off. He inspected this for some time with bland interest, then turned to Adams once more. What was I saying, Adams? The birds, your lordship. Birds? What birds? What about birds? You were speaking of the attractions of life in the country, your lordship. You included the birds in your remarks. Oh, yes, 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 to be sure. Do you ever go to the country, Adams? 
generally to the seashore, your lordship, when I take my annual vacation. Whatever was the attraction across the room once more exercised its spell. His lordship concentrated himself upon it to the exclusion of all other mundane affairs. Presently he came out of his trance again. What were you saying, Adams? I said that I generally went to the seashore, your lordship. Eh? When? For my annual vacation, your lordship. What? My annual vacation, your lordship. What about it? Adams never smiled during business hours, unless professionally, as it were, when a member made a joke. But he was storing up in the recesses of his highly respectable body a large laugh to be shared with his wife when he reached home that night. Mrs. Adams never wearied of hearing of the eccentricities of the members of the club. It occurred to Adams that he was in luck today. He was expecting a little party of friends to supper that night, and he was a man who loved an audience. You would never have thought it to look at him when engaged on his professional duties, but Adams had built up a substantial reputation as a humorist in his circle by his imitations of certain members of the club, and it was a matter of regret to him that he got so few opportunities nowadays of studying the absent-minded Lord Emsworth. It was rare luck, his lordship coming in today, evidently in his best form. Adams, who is the gentleman over by the window? The gentleman in the brown suit. Oh, that is Mr. Simmons, your lordship. He joined us last year. I never saw a man take such large mouthfuls. Did you ever see a man take such large mouthfuls, Adams? Adams refrained from expressing an opinion, but inwardly he was thrilling with artistic fervour. Mr. Simmons' eating was one of his best imitations, though Mrs. Adams was inclined to object to it on the score that it was a bad example for the children. To be privileged to witness Lord Emsworth watching and criticising Mr. Simmons was to collect material for a double-barrelled character study which would assuredly make the hit of the evening. That man, went on Lord Emsworth, is digging his grave with his teeth. Digging his grave with his teeth, Adams. Do you take large mouthfuls, Adams? No, your lordship. Quite right. Very sensible of you, Adams. Very sensible. What was I saying, Adams? About my not taking large mouthfuls, your lordship. Oh, quite right, quite right. N never take large mouthfuls, Adams. Never gobble. Have you any children, Adams? Two, your lordship. I hope you teach them not to gobble. They pay for it later in life. Americans gobble when young and ruin their digestions. My American friend, Mr. Peters, suffers terribly from his digestion. Adams lowered his voice to a confidential murmur. If you'll pardon the liberty, your lordship, I saw it in the paper. About Mr. Peters' digestion? About Miss Peters, your lordship, and the Honourable Frederick. May I be permitted to offer my congratulations? 
Uh, uh, yes, yes, the engagement, yes, 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 yes. To be sure, yes, very satisfactory in every respect. High time he settled down, got a little sense. I put it to him straight. I, I, I cut off his allowance and made him stay at home. That made him think, lazy young devil. I, Lord Emsworth had his lucid moments, and in the one that occurred now, it came home to him that he was not talking to himself, as he had imagined, but confiding intimate family secrets to the head steward of his club's dining room. He checked himself abruptly, and with a slight decrease of amiability, fixed his gaze on the bill of fare and ordered clear soup. For an instant he felt resentful against Adams for luring him on to soliloquise, but the next moment his whole mind was gripped by the fascinating spectacle of Mr. Simmons dealing with a wedge of Stilton cheese, and Adams was forgotten. The clear soup had the effect of restoring his lordship to complete amiability, and when Adams in the course of his wanderings again found himself at the table, he was once more disposed for light conversation. Say, you, you saw the news of the engagement in the paper, did you, Adams? Yes, your lordship, in the mail. It had quite a long piece about it. And the Honourable Frederick's photograph and the young ladies was in the mirror. Mrs. Adams clipped them out and put them in an album, knowing that your lordship was a member of ours. If I may say so, your lordship, a beautiful young lady. Oh, devilish attractive, Adams, and devilish rich. Mr. Peters is a millionaire, Adams. So I read in the paper, your lordship. Damn it, they all seem millionaires in America nowadays. Wish I knew how they managed it. Honestly, I hope. Mr. Peters is an honest man, but his digestion is bad. He used to bolt his food. Uh, you don't bolt your food, I hope, Adams. No, your lordship, I am most careful. The late Mr. Gladstone used to chew each mouthful thirty-three times. Deuced good notion if you aren't in a hurry. What cheese would you recommend, Adams? The gentlemen are speaking well of the Gorgonzola. All right, bring me some. You, you know, Adams, what I admire about Americans is their resource. Mr. Peters tells me that as a boy of eleven he earns twenty dollars a week selling mint to saloon-keepers, as they call publicans over there. Why they wanted mint, I cannot recollect. M Mr. Peters explained the reason to me, and it seemed highly plausible at the time, but I have forgotten it. Possibly for mint sauce. It impressed me, Adams. Twenty dollars is four pounds. I never earned four pounds a week when I was a by of eleven. In, in fact, I don't think I ever earned four pounds a week. His story impressed me, Adams. Every man ought to have an earning capacity. Uh, uh, tell me, Adams, uh, have I eaten my cheese? Not yet, your lordship. I was about to send the waiter for it. Uh, never mind. T tell him to bring the bill instead. I remember that I have an appointment. I must not be late. Shall I take your fork, your lordship? A fork? Your lordship has inadvertently put a fork in your coat pocket. Lord Emsworth felt in the pocket indicated, and 
with the air of an inexpert conjurer whose trick has succeeded contrary to his expectations, produced a silver-plated fork. He regarded it with surprise, then he looked wonderingly at Adams. Adams, I'm getting absent-minded. Have you ever noticed any traces of absent-mindedness in me before? Oh, no, your lordship. Well, it's deuced peculiar. I have no recollection whatsoever of placing that fork in my pocket. Adams, I want a taxicab. He glanced round the room as if expecting to locate one by the fireplace. The whole porter will whistle one for you, your lordship. Oh, so he will, by George, so he will. Good day, Adams. Good day, your lordship. The Earl of Emsworth ambled benevolently to the door, leaving Adams with the feeling that his day had not been ill-spent. He gazed almost with reverence after the slow-moving figure. What a nut, said Adams to his immortal soul. Thank <laughs> you.